When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our final It's Always Game Day in Buffalo before the Bills report to training camp and get on the field on Sunday, July 24th. Sal Capaccio here, WGR Sports Radio 550. Matt Bove with me as well, Channel 7, WKBW Sports Director. Can you tell the excitement in my voice? Like, I'm ready, man. I'm jacked for football. Yeah, me too. It's like a weird, bittersweet moment because training camp for us and for a lot of like football fans marks kind of of the unofficial end to summer and that stinks but in a way I've said it on the pod before I'm a big fall guy it's my favorite time of year and the fact that we're getting closer to football we're getting really close to football that makes me happy and chances are if you're listening to this podcast it also probably makes you pretty happy yeah and look it's gonna be really hot out at Fisher it usually does get that way but Sooner rather than later, it's going to start turning, and we're going to have that shorts and hoodie weather that we all love so yes. much, right? I like, yes. you know, we like that's to do all that. I want. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So you and I have talked about a lot of this that we're going to rehash here in a moment. We're going to focus a little more specifically on it in this particular pod, but just to kind of recap everything we've gone through and look ahead to what's going to happen on Sunday, the biggest storylines for training camp, and I think you have to start with Jordan Poyer, but this is something that could be resolved right away, right? Like going into training camp, to me, right, it's a big storyline, but who knows? Maybe he signs a contract. Maybe he shows up and like, yeah, we're working through things. Then it doesn't become a storyline. I think it stays one, Matt, if we have the other side, which is A, he doesn't report, or B, for some reason we get an indication it's contentious. I agree, but I don't foresee any of that happening. I almost think at this point, it's just going to be status quo. And the first time we hear from him, he's going to kind of toe the company line and just say like, listen, I think I've earned a new deal. I want to stay here. I want to win a Super Bowl here. And I hope we can work something out. And then if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, I just anticipate that he basically plays this year. And then they circle back to this once his contract expires and they figure out, okay, are we going to try and keep you as a piece for the future? or are we going to let you walk? I, I mean, this is for probably the sake of everybody who's listening to this podcast. The best case scenario, probably for the Bills, is that they win the Super Bowl this year and then Jordan Poyer goes and signs for a bunch of money with another team, but he gets a chance to be part of the team that wins it all. And then he also gets his payday. The thing that's going to be complicated is if once again, they're knocking on the door and they fall just short, is he going to want to stick around long-term if he doesn't sign a contract before the offseason? and try and be part of the piece that, you know, gets ultimately to where they're trying to get to, or does he cash in for probably his last paycheck of his career? And my goodness, that is not a decision that I would want to have to make. So I am sure that'll be a difficult one if it gets to that point. Yeah. And look, I mean, the other part of this is if he does sign an extension, 
you are going to have to deal with the consequences of financially how you treat the rest of the roster. So there's so many tentacles here. We've talked about Dawson Knox, Tremaine Edmonds, two years at Oliver, right? I mean, there's a lot of things coming up now where the Bills are going to have to start thinking about all of these different scenarios. So even if it's, okay, we signed an extension with Jordan Poyer, now suddenly we have another another story to think about because Mm -hmm. they're going to have other guys. You're like, yeah, now are you going to keep Dawson Knox? Like, how does this work out? This is the price of having a really good team, Matt. It's also interesting, too, because like the salary cap feels like it's just going to continue to skyrocket. So it's like, okay, how many of these guys can you ultimately fit into this? But I was actually having this conversation with a couple people over the weekend, and they were like, can you explain to me how the salary cap works and like how all these teams can make all of this money work and push contracts down the road? And I was like, listen, you can kind of always push money. This is a really oversimplification Mm -hmm. of it. You can kind of always push money down the road. Eventually, though, you're going to be on the hook for that money. And eventually, the salary cap is not going to have the continuous spikes that we've seen because of you know TV contracts and all of those things. So they have to make decisions. Even though Brandon Bean has kind of been able to keep everybody over the years that we've been like, well, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep those guys. They've kind of been able to keep everybody, right. but eventually that's going to wear off because Josh Allen's contract is going to skyrocket. And when you have that massive of a contract, I'm not saying he's not worth it, then you start to have to really maneuver the salary cap a little bit trickier than it was before that. So we both kind of do some, you know, radio or TV hits with out of town markets sometimes, right? They ask us about the bills. Mm -hmm. Hey, tell me what's going on with the bills. I had, I had one that happened this week and they, they asked an interesting question about what the feeling just is amongst the fan base. And they use the words, is it anxiety? Is it anticipation? Is it both? And I mean, I think we could definitely say both, but let's, let's take these kind of as you will, and, and maybe each side of it. Like, of course, it's anticipation, right? I mean, they're set up to win a Super Bowl, Matt. And I wouldn't say Super Bowl or bus necessarily because everything busts out. But for this season, if everybody stays healthy and they have a normal type of season as far as, you know, availability, they have to win the Super Bowl or else I think a lot of people are going to feel disappointed. It's weird because I do think it's Super Bowl or bust, but at the same time, you have Josh Allen in the prime of his career. And for as long as this team has Josh Allen, they are going to be a contender to win a Super Bowl. But the thing that I keep coming back to is this might be the richest cupboard of talents that they ever have because it's the last year before his contract just jumps, basically doubles, essentially. So I think it's their best chance to win one. And if they don't, it'll be a massive disappointment. That's not to say if they don't win it this year, they'll never win it because I think they will. With Josh Allen under center, I think this team is going to win a Super Bowl, if not multiple Super Bowls. I, I just think that it's a weird balance of like people being very excited. This is the most anticipated season that I think I can ever remember. Not even think like this is the most anticipated season that I can ever remember covering the team or just being in the city. And I've been here my entire life, but there's also a lot of anxiety that goes with that because the expectations are so high. There wasn't this kind of anxiety when it was just like, Oh, well, you know, if they get to the playoffs, that's great. But you know, they've got a really promising future. Now it's like, that's, a thing that nobody is going into this season like, oh, well, you know, get to the playoffs and see what happens. It's like, okay, get to the Super Bowl and see what happens. Yeah. And um, then when you think about the anxiety part of it, if you kind of project this out, it's exactly the same, which is, okay, like, yeah, we have to, we have to do it now or else, which isn't true. And that's the part that I kind of say to people nationally, which is what you just said. Look, the, the window's not closed, but Matt, look at like the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, one Super Bowl. Yep. Right. One 
throughout this entire run. And I think that's the part of it of, okay, this is the best chance to strike. This is the best chance they have. But at the same time, they're going to have many more chances. It's not like if they don't win it, they're going to blow it up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think, and there's a lot of examples of that. It's like Aaron Rodgers, they won the one. I think Russ Wilson, they only won the one. And I think if I'm not mistaken, after he signed his contract extension, they never even got back to a a championship game, like an NFC championship game. So like this is their best window and like they need to strike now because you only get so many kicks at the can. But like you said, next year, if they don't win, like if, if they have a similar season to what they had last year or two years ago, they're going to bring the band back together. There's going to be some tweaks here and there, but the most important players on this team are under contract. Josh Allen will be back. Stefan Diggs will be back. Tredavious White will be back. Ed Oliver will be back. Like, there's going to be some tweaks. Von Miller, you know, you then you get to the questions of well, what happens with the safeties? What happens with Jordan Poyer? What happens with Tremaine Edmonds? Those are the difficult things they'll need to figure out. But when you got Josh, you got a, you got a puncher's chance every single time. There's no doubt about that. All right, so give me one big question on the offense that you are – you know, going to be watching for and try to at least find an answer to, if not in training camp, then early on, but something that's going into training camp. One big question for you on offense. Ken Dorsey. And how does Ken Dorsey kind of take the keys to the car here? And do we see more of what we saw these last couple of years and all the success they've had with Brian Dable? Or does Ken Dorsey try and put his own spin on it? And it's risky because I'm like one of those guys who's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think your philosophy should kind of stay the same. It should be like, okay, Ken Dorsey knows what works for this offense, and they also know what doesn't work. But I also think he should be willing to kind of put his own little spin on things and make sure that it he has the stamp of like, this is my offense, this is what I want. So I think that's a really interesting thing. And I also think it kind of goes back to like last year, and it felt like there was almost like a little bit of like a disagreement between Brian Dable and Sean McDermott and like, you know, how, what is the philosophy of this team? I think the Bills need to have success early. So Sean McDermott continues to be like, okay, Ken Dorsey, like go do your thing. And they don't try and be something that they're not. Like, I don't think the Bills are ever going to be like, uh, hey, we're going to go heavy and we're going to run the rock and we're just going to pound it down teams' throats. Like, no, the Bills are the best when they've got the ball in Josh Allen's hands, Stefan Diggs' hands, Gabriel Davis' hands, and Dawson Knox. The James Cook factor is an interesting one, but for me, the big question is, how does Ken Dorsey take this offense and keep them on the track they've been on and continue to lead them to success, if not more success? Yeah, that's the one for me because he is a first-time play caller. How does all of that look? How does all of that work? But since you used it, I'll say, I'll go on the field, and that's James Cook. You alluded to him. Like, how do they integrate James Cook in? What does it mean for Devin Singletary? I'm interested in that. O.J. Howard even. Like, some new weapons, if you will, and how all that works. And it goes back to what you just said with Ken Dorsey. All right, let's get one big question on defense. I'll go first on this one, and that to me is, what is your usage of Von Miller, considering how you really have a philosophy of rotating defensive ends and, you know, defensive linemen? Because I think Von Miller, of course, can still play at a very high level, but it's kind of counterintuitive to what the Bills normally do there. Is this a guy that he's going to be on the field a ton? Is he going to be out there 70% of the snaps, which would be that's unheard of in a Bills defense, right? For a defensive yeah. lineman. They don't do that. But I think they have to if they want to really kind of real to to get the return out of investment of $20 million a year, especially for such an elite player. So to me, that's a big storyline. Now it's not going to be answered in camp. That's going to be something answered throughout training throughout the season. But I think just the Von Miller usage, what is the plan is for him, how he fits into this defense, because we know he's going to be an integral part. What exactly does that look like? How about for you? 
I'm actually going to, it's like a sub layer of the question that you just asked, but for me, it's which young defensive end mm-hmm. separates themselves from the rest of the pack. And the group that I'm considering here is Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham, because last year, Greg Rousseau got a lot of run. I think that's going to continue this year. He is going to be the starter opposite Von Miller, but because they are so heavy rotation focused, how does Boogie Basham get on the field? How does AJ Epinesa get on the field? Because honestly, at this point, especially for Epinesa, if Epinesa doesn't start to make an impact, I don't know if he's going to be a part of this team that much longer just because, you know, the sample size is it's a couple of years now. You can only say like, oh, the next year will be the year that he ultimately comes out. And like he had the great game against the Dolphins last year. He had a ton of pressures. It was like week two. And then after that, I mean, he didn't even play every single week. He wasn't even active every single week. Same thing with Boogie Basham. So I'm interested to see who separates themselves because they're really going to need to lean on those guys because even though they brought back Shaq Lawson, I still think of him as more of like a complimentary piece, not somebody that they think is going to be a guy who gets 50, 60% of the snaps. We didn't even touch on Tredavious White in the question mark with him. We'll find out more about him on Sunday. Does he start out training camp? Is it something we know about a little bit later? And, of course, all of those questions will be answered very soon. And then once they do hit the field, the Bills are the betting favorite to not only win the AFC, but even the Super Bowl.